0: It is Tuesday, February seventh, twenty twenty-three. This is another edition of Baseball Today. That is my man, Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan along for the ride as well as we kick off our baseball week, if you will. I just want to thank uh, Justin and Courtney Turner for inviting me out to the seventh annual Justin Turner Foundation Golf Tournament out at a beautiful Sherwood. Help raise some money. Uh, I was the MC. I was also the auctioneer. That was always. That's always a little rough particularly when you're not good at auctioning items off. But it was fun to see a bunch of people, Steger, Joe Kelly, Nick Punto. But I ended up hanging out mostly. I followed them for a few holes, the eventual winners. I think they had the best net score. Uh, it was Moose. It was Scott Casimir. It was former Met Ike Davis. Oh. And I, I rolled up on him and I was like, God, who's that clean-shaven guy? And it was Albert Pujols. Ah. I was like... Holy smokes. What are you turning back the clock, Albert? That's awesome. That's a
1: great group. Some of my good friends there. My guy, Ike Davis, him and I traveled Europe together on the USA baseball team. Did you really? And then I got Mike Moustakis ready for that tournament. Him and I played golf together uh, a few days prior. That's what he said. That's awesome, man. You look like you had a great time. I don't know. Hey, just throwing that out there. I'd like to join the boys for a a golf Mm -hmm. match at Sherwood. So, you know, JT, what's up, bro? I talk highly of you all the time.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll work on that next year. Okay. How nice is this that I have to work you into an event.
1: Dude, you I mean, you got the juice. It's Hollywood, baby. That's this is your town.
0: Yeah. So, it was fun fun tournament. Beautiful place out there. I'd never been on the golf course. Yeah. My god. Holy smokes, what an event. What an event. And those guys were all good. You know, Casimir I get it starting pitcher, Moose can really play. Albert hit the ball well.
1: Yeah, Albert's really good. You know what? Uh, I, I want to give a shout-out to JT and Courtney because they do a lot of stuff, um, charity stuff, throughout the L.A. area. I'm sure they'll be bringing that into the Boston area as well. Yep. But they've made that one of their goals, and they've accomplished it in spades. So congrats to them, yep. and thank you for all you do.
0: Yep, that's why he was named the recipient of the Roberto Clemente Award uh, last season. Oh, and last thing, Ryan Pepio got a hole-in-one. I saw that. Dude. We were one hole behind him, and we hear screaming at the time. And somebody said, I think they got a hole-in-one. So we rolled up there, Pepio in this crazy colored shirt. Is like Pepio, this year's Gonsolin?
1: That's what I want to know. Like, no. Gonsolin kind of had that, you know, beginning of the year last year. I saw yeah. him um, at my alumni game. We started talking about him. Boom, has his year, gets the extension. Pepio, look out. A hole-in-one to start the year is a nice way to start off.
0: Hell yeah, it is. And they said he'd been playing like trash all day, and then he ends up nailing a hole in one. (laughs) That's pretty good. Uh, Speaking of the Dodgers, let's start in the National League West. You had all top three contenders in that division, the Padres, Dodgers, and Giants. They all had fan fests over their weekend. Uh, By the way, an amazing photo of the Padres fan fest in 2015 compared to what it looked like in 2022. It looked like freaking Woodstock in 2022. It was so awesome out there. Uh, L.A. won the division by 22 games a season ago. How confident are you that San Diego will at least make L.A. sweat here in 2023?
1: I'm fairly confident there's going to be some sweating going on with the Dodgers. I think people forget that the Dodgers had that big of a lead during the season because San Diego eventually knocked them out of the playoffs. Um, You know, Different team on the second half of the year last year for the Padres, bringing in some guys, obviously. Uh, But they brought in even more guys in the offseason. So I think there's no doubt uh, that the Padres are in position to battle for the NOS. The problem is the Dodgers just win 110 games every single year. And I know this year the depth isn't necessarily where it's been in years past, but I still believe like if you put them up against any other team, the depth is there. I think they might have more depth than the Padres. Uh, still, we're talking about lack of depth for the Dodge. I think they have more depth than the Padres do. So um, I think the Padres are going to be close. Tatis is going to come back. And I think people are going to, you know, get a crash course in how good this guy really is. I think we've kind of forgotten about it. We've had some negative press going on with him, obviously with the steroid uh, suspension, uh, but when he comes back on the field, he's going to be a difference maker. A full year of Juan Soto is going to be a difference maker. So I do think they'll compete. In my eyes, it's still the Dodgers division over 162 to lose. Uh, but this San Diego Padres team um, has beaten them in the playoffs last year. And I think they're very, very confident going into this year. So I do think 100% they're going to make them sweat. There's not going to be a
0: 22-game differential. No, No way. So what do you think? Five-game difference? Six game difference. That's think?
1: still a that's still a lot for me, Chris. I don't know. I I uh, history would say that that the Dodgers are going to win this division easily, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if in September the Padres were right in front of the Dodgers or a half game back, something like that.
0: It feels like the only time the Dodgers have lost the division in the last decade, and I didn't. I should have checked this before, but it was a couple of years ago when San Francisco had one more win, like yeah. one hundred seven, one hundred six, or whatever that ended up being, which was you know, insane. Uh, I think the Padres fans, I could be wrong here, but it it feels like they're ready to talk some shit based on what happened in the divisional round a year ago. And they feel like we're just as good as the Dodgers, if not better. Um, you know, you're going to have so many guys that they're going to rely on this year came over in midseason, And most of those trades were OK, but not great. Right. Soto yeah. was not nearly as good as he has been in Washington. Josh Hader, I think, is the one difference. Right. He started off kind of shaky, but then after that really turned it on and we didn't really see him in the NLCS. But Drury wasn't great. Josh Bell wasn't great. So all those pickups, they ended up getting what was it? Eighty seven wins or something like that and making it all the way to game five of the NLCS before bowing out. So I understand their confidence. Uh, I do have some question marks about their their starting rotation, just like I do with the Dodgers, but I actually have more about the Padres. Um, I do think the most important thing is that it feels like there's a rivalry here. It feels like there's something special brewing for at least this season and maybe longer, depending on how long the the Padres stay with this sort of iteration of their team.
1: 162 is so different than a playoff series, a seven-game set. Yes. It's just so different. And I think the yeah. Dodgers have really under, have found a way to just dominate the regular season. They've done well in the postseason as well. One championship with this long um, run of division um, titles. So they are a team, and we've talked about this before, they are World Series or bust. I don't think they really even care about the division. They'll take it. Mm. They only care about the World Series. And what's interesting about the Dodgers is they have a lot of question marks, man, like Kershaw going year to year. This is Urias's last year there. Um, it's We're going to see a different Dodgers team over the next couple years. The, the, the faces are going to be a little bit different, but I believe like the engine just keeps on rolling, baby. Like they, they have figured some things out there in L.A. So I do think the Padres will make them sweat. I do think the Dodgers will probably end up still winning the division. But getting the playoffs, as we saw last year, Anything can happen. These teams are close.
0: Yeah, I I will just finish it on this. I think the Padres are one of those teams that feel like that. I think their fan base feels that it. they have to go to the World Series. You know, they're the only game in town. That's it. So all their energies every day, that's all anybody in the sports realm is talking about is San Diego Padres baseball. And with the return of Tatis, with how they finished last year, with a full season of Soto, with this maybe being Machado's last year, you Darvish's last year, Blake Snell, all that sort of stuff, they feel like, based on the money that they spent in the offseason adding Xander Bogarts, all that sort of stuff, they feel like, okay, well, we're playing with the big boys. We need to be mentioned in the same breath. So I think that that's that's fun, it's refreshing. Uh, Speaking of teams that like to spend, ESPN's Jeff Passan did a nice little interview with Mets owner Stevie Cohn asked about a possible comparison to former Yankees owner, the late George Steinbrenner, if if that was fair. Cone said, quote, George seemed bigger than life and passionate about baseball and made it interesting. I don't know if I'm making it interesting. Is Stevie Cohen underestimating his ability? Has he made baseball more interesting?
1: Without a doubt, he's made baseball more interesting. And, you know, uh, I guess you can go a lot of different ways with that question and the answer, like, we're not talking about any on-field stuff here, but when you have two good teams in New York, like that makes it interesting. There's a rivalry there now between the Mets and the Yankees. I know they don't play in the same league or the same division, but like who's the toast of the town? Yankees are still the toast of the town. But the way the Mets have played and the guys they have on their team, like we've we haven't been able to say that in a long time that the Mets are rivaling the Yankees in popularity and I think they could be. And maybe I'm freaking completely off base here because I don't live in New York, but the buzz around the Mets is is high. And if the Yankees didn't sign Judge, I think that I think the Mets would be the team in New York. So that's to me that's interesting. And then yes, the way he's spent and the way he's pushing other owners to spend, the rules they've had to make to try to curtail his spending is that even how you say that word? Maybe not. He's made the game more interesting. I think that. Um, <laughs> The, the one thing that he's done is put the, the time limit on himself. That's the most fascinating thing to me. You come in as an owner, and you know that all eyes are on you because you automatically automatically become the, most, the richest owner in the sport. All eyes on you. And one of the first things you say is, I want to bring a championship here within five years. That yeah. is nuts. And I don't know if he said that on a whim. Because he might have emotions, might have gotten the best of him. He felt he's felt really good about you know the future, so he just said it. But it doesn't matter if he it was calculated or on a whim, he said it. And to me, that's a massive storyline uh, because it's very difficult to win a World Series.
0: Yeah, he. There's no question that he's made it more interesting, right? When we're we're talking about a half billion dollar payroll and tax included in a single season, I mean that talks. It, it screams that we want to be the best. Uh, I actually think they are the more interesting team in New York. I mean, really, let's be honest here. The Yankees didn't do much to improve their team, right? They re-signed Judge. Um, Carlos Rodon, obviously, was a a really nice pickup. But I'm not talking about the big, splashy moves. There weren't several of them. There was one enormous move that they made, and then bringing back Judge, but he he was already there. The Mets, in the meantime are all over the place. They're in on this guy. They're bringing in a 40 year old Justin Verlander for, you know, nearly $90 million in two seasons. We're going to go make a $300 million play for Carlos Correa. You mentioned it. We put a ton And then there, you know, we heard it the other day from an owner in, you know, in Colorado, basically coming out and saying that I don't, I don't like the way that, uh, thank you very much. Michelle was sweet enough to bring me my water. I left downstairs. You're the best. The I love best. you. She is thank the you. best. Mm. She knows I need a water break whenever I'm making a point, but there are other owners who are just like, we're not spending the type of dough that Steve Cohen does. It's just not the way, you know, and I guarantee if you took a, an anonymous poll of the 29 other owners in the sport and said, what do you, do you approve of the way Steve Cohen is running the Mets? You wouldn't get a lot of yeses. To me, that makes it interesting.
1: Yeah, you know, it's okay. So it's going to be a fascinating case study here. You put the time limit on yourself. You you have essentially Mm -hmm. no limit on what you can spend. They've just gone out and blown everything out of the water in that regard. Now, if you don't win a World Series, do the other owners say, I told you so. And then kind of like, Oh God. Yes. But, but then do they really like start to go like this with their money even more and saying, you can't buy a championship. So if he doesn't succeed, I think that does happen. If he does succeed, Chris, what can these other owners well, say? They won't be able to say of shit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And fan You're bases right, and- are going to be like, Hey, Look what they did in in five years. You're telling me we got a five-year rebuild to get into any sort of competitive team? And this team went from as Metsy as it getsy Hmm. to World Series champs? It's going to be a massive storyline if that happens or if it doesn't happen. So, yes, hey, Cohen, Uncle Stevie, you made the game more interesting.
0: Yep, he has. It's been fun. Uh, Let's stay in the NL East where the Braves won their arbitration case against their best pitcher, Max Freed. He's going to settle for 13 and a half mil instead of 15 mil. That's still a nice pay increase for him. Second straight year that the sides have gone the distance in arbitration. Now, keep in mind, he's under control for two more years. But do you think having gone to arbitration each of the last two years will have any impact on Freed's long-term future in Atlanta?
1: Now, I haven't talked to Max about this. Uh, I'm just going to give my point of view on it because that's what we do on this show. I Mm -hmm. think it does impact his I think it does impact, you know, his negotiation with the team if they do start talking about an extension, 100%. Um, Not only sitting in there in the room, you know, hearing them tell you why you're not worth this amount of money and why you should make less money. I know it's still a lot of money. Congratulations, Max. You owe me a dinner for sure. Um, But they've also waited too long i feel like you know what they do with the braves is they go get these young like young guys and try to sign into really team-friendly deals now they're giving them a lot of money um but they're trying to take away arbitration and free agent uh uh years on a lesser aav than market value now freed you mentioned has two years of control but i think he's 13 and a half this year 20 next year I think he's ready to test the free agent market especially what with what he's been able to do. He's been one of the best pitchers in the National League. He is the ultimate guy you'd want to give that money to. He doesn't fuck around off the field, excuse my language, like he's just like a good dude. He works hard, he wins gold gloves. He's the prime example of what you want to be uh, a guy leading your rotation. So the suitors are going to be everywhere for this guy and unless they come out of pocket and give him you know, very close to market value. I just don't see how uh,
0: this gets done. His name got thrown around in trade talk in the offseason, didn't it? Yes. Okay. I don't know how far those talks got, but you certainly saw some rumors. Now, whether there was any fire to the actual smoke, who knows? But I think if it gets out there, that means there was at least some discussion. I agree with you that um, the Braves have let this go too far. And as much as we applaud the Braves because of what they've done with seemingly everyone on their team, it started with Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies and continued on with the likes of Austin Riley. And even this year, we saw it with guys who, you know, Michael Harris, uh, This is he the second? I think he's the second, right? Michael Harris, is the second. I apologize. I always get confused with Junior or the second, I believe he's the second. Uh, Spencer Strider, you can continue on and on and on. That Freed feels like the one guy that they have left behind. Heck, they even traded for two guys from Oakland, one in each of the last two years in in Matt Olson and now Murphy, the catcher. And they extended them before they ever put on a Braves uniform. So I imagine that if you were to put if you were to hook Max Freed up to a lie detector test and say, how do you feel? Are you okay with the way the Braves have financially treated you over the years? He would say no. I think he would say no, that it hasn't gone the way he wanted. And I will say this. It wouldn't shock me if this was his last year in Atlanta. I think that, yes, the number is going to jump to $20 at least in arbitration next year. And it wouldn't surprise me if some team that says, let's get our claws in on this guy now and extend him the minute we trade for him. We're willing to give up some younger pieces to the Braves in order to get a guy, the caliber of Max Fried, who then will be 30 years old and still have some nice years left in him. Let's ex- end up extending him for six or seven years right away.
1: I think I figured it out, Chris. This is, Go it's it's so obvious. It's right there in front of us. The Braves don't want strikingly handsome dudes to sign extensions with them. Mm. Dansby Swanson. Oh, so you're
0: calling out calling the guys ugly.
1: Yeah, I am. Max Freed, not going to sign a long-term deal there. Von Grissom, watch out, bro. They don't want you around for the long haul. You're too pretty. Ha! Ah.
0: I figured it wow. out. So you just called all those guys who got extensions in the last three years part of the hideous team. Really. No, they're not
1: hideous, but, you know, there's an upper echelon of, of looks here. They, they've been on my hot boy list, both Dansby and Max Freed. And I don't think any of the other guys said, oh, Matt Olsen was on, but it was more like a him and Matt Chapman together. It was. It wasn't. They weren't separate. But Vaughn is like on my up and coming list.
0: And dude, just look out, bro. No. <laughs> I I'm a, I'm a little worried where to where to take this. It's uh, it's dangerous territory. You know, I've had some of those guys on on the rose rotation. <laughs> so now I have to say, hey, congratulations on re- receiving your ugly extension. <laughs> is that what it is? Ugly
1: ball player. Beautiful
0: on the field. Dodgers announced they're going to retire Fernando Valenzuela's number 34 jersey, which is awesome. I, I can't believe it's taken this long. Uh, because for people that are are too young to remember this, uh, go watch, go spin up on YouTube. John Paul Morosi of MLB Network did a wonderful piece on Fernando Mania. It started in 1981 when he was a 20-year-old rookie took the league by storm and won his first eight decisions as a big leaguer uh it it was incredible to live through I was a 10 year old kid when Fernando was doing this and it was incredible to watch um the question I want to get to um which player that you've seen gives stadiums kind of that special feel when they whether they pitch a the game or they step into the batter's box or just step onto the field where this game is different because this guy's playing.
1: Uh, I got a great answer for you, but first I want to give props to Fernando because, um, you know, I wasn't, you know, old enough to see it live, but I saw, I mean, all I did was hear stories about this guy growing up and, you know, he's from Mexico. We have a massive Mexican population in Los Angeles and like the place would go nuts when he pitched, and he would come around my high school games. I think his son went to St. Francis High School, who they were in our league, so he'd be he'd be around, and I'd see him, and it was always a treat, man, because you know that's a legend, right in the uh, a right legend. There. So very very cool, um, and yeah, go just go Google, watch some YouTube videos, whatever you need to do, because it's really special. But my answer to your question, Chris, is a guy named Felix Hernandez when he pitched up in Seattle. Ooh. It was nuts. wow. Yeah, the king's corner out there. I mean, he was good, obviously, great. Uh, so it was already difficult to have the bats against him. You throw that fucking splitter up there, man. Um, but then when he would get rolling and there'd be two outs, two strikes, and everyone's standing up, just getting crazy loud. I mean, it it made you feel like you were gonna strike out. Like he wanted to make them so happy. He wanted them to he wanted that applause so bad when they would get up and they had like the yellow K um, um uh papers or whatever the signs, it felt like the world was telling you to strike out. And, boy, I struck out quite a bit against him. So, yeah, that was the one guy who I felt like changed the atmosphere of the stadium when he pitched, no doubt.
0: That's a great one. In fact, I have his – remember, I think it was Larry Bernandez was his uh, alter ego that they did like a commercial. (laughs) They, They always had great promos, the Mariners do. Their department does a great job. So I still have his little bobblehead. Yeah, Larry Bernandez, there he is. Very funny. A uh, great that. call. The reason I'm wearing a Mariners hat, though, is for somebody different. Mm. So I'm going to spin it back like a half generation before King Felix, maybe a full Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. Just changed the sport. I mean, made it so cool. Uh, his effortlessness in center field, jumping over walls, making acrobatic catches. The spinning of the hat backward is, I mean, that's the way it is on his freaking Hall of Fame plaque. That's all you have to say that the most conservative sport out there where people would be like, you can't wear your hat backwards, sir. He's like, Hey, I'm a kid. No, you're not a kid. You are the kid. And just awesome. Just so much fun to watch. And, you know, he is, he is very much like LeBron James, right? He was a can't miss 17 year old number one draft pick out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And he lived up to every expectation, lived up to everything. You know how hard that is to do. I mean, you're talking about very few people. It's Tiger Woods, it's LeBron James, it's Ken Griffey Jr. Guys that were going to change the sport. Yeah, Bryce Harper. It, it's a very small number. You know. Griffey's what I love about
1: what I love about Griffey is he is one of, if not the most, universally liked players in the sport like I don't think you're going to find anyone even like on rival teams it was like oh I hate that guy like he just had the smile and the way he played the game was so different and graceful that I think you hadn't you you couldn't do anything but root for the guy um so that's a great one too Chris he's it's a legend right there man I wear my hat backwards
0: yep good go for it I will creating legendary status right there last one uh, Padre FanFest, once again, we're going to finish up there. Guy had uh, Fernando Tatis sign his thigh, and then he ran to the ta- tattoo parlor and had the signature tattooed on his leg. Would you consider that an honor if you were Tatis? Or would you be like, it's weird that somebody wants that on their body permanently?
1: Okay, a couple things here. If it was a guy who didn't have a lot of tattoos and he wanted to get my signature tattooed on him. I think that would mean a little more and maybe be a little bit more creepy. Mm. Uh, But this guy's got, he's full of tats, man. This thing's going to blend in. So I think like, I'm not, I'm not too creeped out by this, uh, but I'm also not as honored because it's just another one of these tattoos probably going to blend in with the rest of that leg. So I kind of went back and forth on this. I think for the most part, you'd feel like, okay, like that's pretty cool. Uh, And then you have to like worry about like, well, what's really going on here in this situation. But for this one, I think it's clean. I like it.
0: So I don't, you know, uh, truth be told, I don't have any ink. Um, My oldest son has seven tattoos, I think. And he's only 22. And I was like, you know, you just have to think it's there forever. So you got to make sure that, what you're getting makes sense here, brother. That's all. If you don't have a connection to some, it to me, it's strange. It just is. Okay. Like Josh's first one, I have to I will quickly tell this story. I think I've told it before, but he always wanted a tattoo in high school. We were like, you can't get it till you graduate high school. And we're not going to pay for it. If you want to use some of your graduation money or money that you've earned working, whatever, that's your choice. And you're 18, you can go for it. So two nights after he graduates from high school, all of his boys are over. I was like, what are you guys doing tonight? Nobody said anything. I was like, okay, what's going on here? Somebody goes, well, Josh is getting his first tattoo. And I was like, Josh, I told him two things. I said, we're not going to pay for it. And talk to your aunt, Michelle's sister. She got one when she was 20. She hates it now. Wasn't trying to tell him not to get it. Just want somebody who had the experience of when they were young, making the decision and now might be a little different. I said, did you talk to your aunt? He goes, no. So I got Millar on the phone. He likes Malar. Okay. Millar's like, what's going on? He goes, okay, well, tell me what sort of tattoo you're going to get. He goes, I can't tell you. He goes, just tell me. He goes, well, I know I've been kind of a tough kid, and so I want to get my parents' initials and a rose. And I was like, here, Josh, oh here's gosh. the money. <laughs> here. You got you, bro. Oh, just man. Take it. Just take it. So, yeah, he got me. So that's what i'm saying is that it, that meant something to him like our initials it's not exactly a signature but it's a similar neighborhood so i i think if you know somebody and if you love somebody it's great if it's you don't know him it's a little weird yeah. a little weird i don't
1: think it's that weird for that guy you know the, the guys that get a lot of tattoos it's more about like the story of when uh, uh-huh. you know what part of my life i was in all that and so i think he's gonna, say, he's gonna say hey man like yeah. It's a great time. I was a big baseball fan for Fernando Tatis Jr. One thing I will say about this this fan fest for him personally, it had to be a relief, man. He got cheers yeah. and people, you know. well it didn't seem it didn't seem like there was any negative things going on for Fernando Tatis Jr. And that's a nice way to go into spring training, knowing that.
0: Yeah, I, the, the the question isn't going to be how they're going to treat him at home. It's going to be like how vile will it get on the road.
1: I mean, I I guess all the Padres fans that I talked to, like on social media, they were like, we're going to accept him no problem. But to me, in my head, if I'm Tatis, there would have been a little bit of hesitation being like, I should have been there in the postseason. And I let my team down.
0: Possibly. All right. um, Latest episode of Rose Rotation with Kike Hernandez is out. It's very fun. He's got great energy. Very, very funny. There's a couple of really good clips that will get you started out there. So give it a follow and uh, taping one later today, possibly with a pair of San Francisco Giants that would be out next week. I'll keep you posted on that. In the meantime, we are back at it on Thursday. You want to do it then? Yes. Very good. Very good. For our uh, one-of-a-kind producer, and he is truly one-of-a-kind, I mean that with much love, Dan Rourke. That is Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose. We'll see you next time here on Baseball Today.